Hi, my name is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast of the New Testament. I'll be using as the text the King James Version, along with the Joseph Smith Translation. Although this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort's been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. I'll also be using quotes from general authorities of the Church, the Apostles and Prophets, and BYU professors and others, and uh, every word out of the Scriptures themselves. So if you're ready for a really detailed analysis of the New Testament, you've come to the right place. Welcome. Hi, welcome back to the podcast. This is going to be for John chapter 1. Remember, we're doing the harmonies of the Gospels, and so uh, we've gone Matthew, Mark, Luke, and now we're in John already, and it's only the third or fourth lesson, right? Okay. John chapter 1. Now, I'm going to be using the Joseph Smith translation of this, so it's going to be quite different than the King James Version. For example, verse 1, In the beginning was the gospel preached through the Son, and the gospel was the Word, and the Word was with the Son, and the Son was with God, and the Son was of God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made which was made. In In these first few verses, John wants to establish three things. One, Jesus Christ was to be the outward and dynamic expression of both his Father's essence and his Father's will. Two, Jesus was eminently suited to his task, or to this task, for he had developed the very same character and attributes of his Father. And three, the Father and the Son are two distinct persons. Verse 4, In him was the gospel, and the gospel was the life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the world, and the world perceiveth it not. The existence of light is a fundamental part of the word. which he shares freely with all who come into the world. This verse encapsulated the drama of good versus evil. The effect of this contrast is to say that this dispelling of darkness is an inherent and enduring quality of light and of the one who is personified as light. On the other hand, there was a time when the darkness, or the one of whom it is a personification, attempted to seize and overcome the light. It refers to a specific attempt, a single occurrence, not an ongoing timeless quality. John was foreshadowing a main theme of his gospel, a record of the specific time when, as the light shone in the darkness that had come upon this world, the prince of darkness attempted and failed to overcome and extinguish that light. A major effort of his gospel is to mirror and witness the dynamic conflict between light and dark, which was to culminate in the Savior's dynamic victory. Verse 6, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now this is John the Baptist that we're talking about. The same came into the world for a witness to bear witness of the light, to bear record of the gospel through the Son of all, unto all, that through him men might believe. Joseph Smith said, Now it was written that the priest's lips should keep knowledge, and to them should the people seek for understanding, and above all the law binds them and and us to receive the word of the Lord at the hands of the Levites. Therefore, John being lawful heir to the Levitical priesthood, the people were bound to receive his testimony. He, John, having received the holy anointing, was the only lawful administrator, and the Jews all knew it. All Jerusalem and all Judea came out to be baptized of John. Sadducees, Pharisees, Essenes, all the power, authority, and anointing descended upon the head of John the Baptist. This was virtually acknowledged by all Judea and Jerusalem coming out to be baptized of him. Verse 8, He was not that light, but came to bear witness of that light, which was the true light, which lighteth every man who cometh into the world. 
Ilamakaki said, Every person born into the world automatically and instinctively knows right from wrong because of the universally bestowed divine endowment called conscience. In other words, the Spirit of Jesus Christ, or the light of Christ, giveth light to every man that cometh unto the world. The Spirit of Christ is given to every man that he may know good from evil. It is as though we were all in a huge arena in total darkness, searching for a way out. Some panic, some give up, many search aimlessly, all are lost. Suddenly, someone opens a door and the light shines in. He is the light that shines in the darkness. Now we can find our way out. Now we can go back home. He shows us the way and helps us to be sensitive to the light. He also places within each of us our own little light so that we can always see in the darkness. But it works only if we follow that light. And he that repents not, from him shall be taken even the light which he has received. The possession of light gives us the ability to see our way out of the darkness of this world and find our way back to our Father in heaven. Verse 10, Even the Son of God, he who was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God only to them who believe on his name. He was born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the same word was made flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as, the, as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him, and cried, saying, This is he of whom I speak, of whom I spake. He who cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. For in the beginning was the word, even the Son, who was made flesh, and sent unto us by the will of the Father. And as many as believe on his name shall receive of his fullness, and of his fullness have all we received, even immortality and eternal life through his grace. For the law was given through Moses, but life and truth came through Jesus Christ. For the law was after a carnal commandment to the administration of death, but the gospel was after the gospel of an endless life through Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father. And no man hath seen God at any time, except he hath borne record of the Son, for except it is through him, no man can be saved." And this is the record of John, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who art thou? And he confessed, and denied not that he was Elias, but confessed, saying, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, saying, How then art thou Elias? And he said, I am not that Elias, who was to restore all things. And they asked him, saying, Art thou that prophet? Who is that prophet that they're talking about? Could it be Joseph Smith? If they had the prophecy of Joseph indicating that a prophet bearing his name would be great in the kingdom, did they think John was Joseph Smith? Continuing verse 21, And he answered, No. Then said they unto him, Who art thou, that we may give an answer to them that sent us? What sayest thou of thyself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as, as, as said the prophet Esaias. And they who were sent were of the Pharisees. And they asked him and said unto him, Why baptizest thou then, if thou be not the Christ, nor Elias, who was to restore all things, neither that prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there standeth one among you, whom ye know not. He it is of whom I bear record. He it is, he is that prophet, even Elias, who coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoes latch it, or sandal strap I am not worthy to unloose, or whose place I am not able to fill, for he shall baptize not only with water, but with fire and with the Holy Ghost. Now, uh, I'm skipping uh, verse 28, because the Joseph Smith translation moves on to 29. 
28 is actually moved to being after 34, and you'll see that as it, as it shows up here. The next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and said, Behold the Lamb of God, who taketh away the sin of the world. And John bare record of him unto the, unto the people, saying, This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. And I knew him, and that he should be made manifest to Israel, therefore am I come baptizing with water. And John bare record, saying, When he was baptized of me, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it, and it, and it abode upon him. And I knew him, for he, he who sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he who baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. These things were done in Bethabara, beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing. Remember that uh, the name Bethabara means the place of crossing, and that's probably also where the Israelites crossed uh, the River Jordan on dry land. Remember that the, the river was parted, and they traveled, or they crossed the river on dry land. Uh, and so we think that that's also where Jesus would have been baptized here, uh, which is probably the lowest part on earth where there's fresh water. All right, going on. Uh, the calling of Andrew, Simon, Philip, and Nathaniel, verse 35. Again the next day after John the Baptist stood and two of his disciples, probably Andrew and John, both had been baptized by John. And looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following him, and said unto them, What seek ye? They say unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, Being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? He said unto them, Come and see. Elder Talmadge wrote, the spirit of our Lord's invitation to the young truth seekers, Andrew and John, is manifest in a similar privilege extended to all. The man who would know Christ must come to him, to hear him, or to see and hear, to feel and know. Missionaries may carry the good tidings, the message of the gospel, but the response must be an individual one. Are you in doubt as to what that message means today? Then come and see for yourself. Would you know where Christ is to be found? Come and see. And they came and saw where he dwelled and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour, which is about 4 p.m. or so. Verse 40, one of the two who heard John and followed, followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own, his own brother Simon and said, saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. Remember that Messiah and Christ are the same word, and they both mean the anointed one. And he brought him to Jesus, and when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonas. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which in Greek means stone or pebble, which is by interpretation a seer or a stone. And they were fishermen, and they straightway left all and followed Jesus. The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee, and findeth Philip, and saith unto him, Follow me. Back then, rabbis and other teachers tried to be popular so that people would choose to follow them. Jesus, however, chose his disciples. Verse 44, Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael, and Nathanael is believed by scholars to be Bartholomew, the apostle, and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there be any can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him, and saith to him, Behold an Israelite, or saith of him, Behold an Israelite indeed in whom there is no guile, or deceit, or fraud. Nathanael said unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answering said unto him, Before Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. 
Bruce R. McConkie said, From the fragmentary account preserved in the scripture, it is apparent that Nathaniel had undergone some surpassing scriptural experience while praying or meditating or worshiping under a fig tree. The Lord and giver of all things spiritual, though absent in body, had been present with Nathaniel in spirit, and the guileless Israelite, seeing the manifestation of seership, was led to accept Jesus as the Messiah. Nathanael answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. And he, said, and he saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Now the ye, where he says hereafter ye, is used plural, meaning that they who were he was saying to Nathaniel was meant for all the twelve, and perhaps by extension, extension to all those who believe on Jesus Christ. This is the first time the phrase son of man is used. It is synonymous with the son of God, man of holiness. Jesus uses this term to describe himself about 80 times in the New Testament. To be guileless and righteous as he was, Nathaniel could look forward to other heavenly manifestations, though the scanty New Testament record as it has come to us does not preserve the account of these later visions. And uh, that's the end of the chapter today, and uh, so that's the end of chapter for John 1, and we'll see you next time. Bye.